Welcome to the Next Era Podcast, a platform for young millennials and Generation Zers to have a space to discuss issues we face in our community. This audio series was created to give a voice to the younger generation and to get insight about hot topics in America from a younger perspective. So take a seat, put your headphones on, turn me up in your car, and let's have a meaningful conversation. I'm Jordan Johnson, and this is the Next Era Podcast. Life. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, we're just going to get started. Um, okay. Basically, you can just introduce yourself and... Yeah, we'll get going from there. <laughs> awesome. Hi, uh, my name's Gabrielle. Um, I go by Gabby, obviously. Um, I go to Stephen F. Austin State University. <laughs> um, and I am currently running for um, president of College Democrats of America. But previously, I have um, served in positions in Texas College Democrats. Um, I restarted my chapter here at SFA. Um, and uh, Shoot, I've worked for Elizabeth Warren. I've done a number of things. <laughs> but I think what I'm probably most proud of is, um, if not the work I've done for Elizabeth Warren, the work I've done in College Democrats. For sure. And that's how I know you through College Democrats, because yeah. um, I guess it's like our friend anniversary, like around this. Yeah, time. for real. Oh my gosh, you're so right. I remember <laughs> that phone call. I literally remember that phone call because my, um, my cousin went to Steve, went to Sam Houston. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you called me, I called him and I was like, you know, I'm helping um, a girl at Sam Houston get this, the uh, chapter restarted and everything. And like, hopefully she can come to New Orleans, whatever. Um, and uh, he was like, oh, that's so cool. I wish I was involved in college Democrats when I was in college. And yeah, no, you're right. That is so crazy to me. <laughs> it's our friend anniversary. We've been friends for one year now. <laughs> Okay, but going, okay, so before we get started, we've asked this question, like, through, um, like, the Shake the Table campaign, and I really like it. So, what is your favorite political show? Oh, man, okay. So, favorite political show is Scandal, without a doubt. Um, Again, you did not say most accurate. (laughs) You did not say most analytical. Favorite is Scandal. Um, Olivia Pope, I mean, come on. I honestly feel like that's going to be every Black girl's favorite. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and as it should be. Um, yeah, no, I love Olivia Pope. Um, just, I think there's just a certain dynamic of the show that makes you feel like a certified, a certified bad professional woman. Like just something about it makes you so, I need that, I watch that when I, when I need motivation, that or being Mary Jane, just because it gives you that kind of motivation <laughs> to like really step it up, even though obviously they're fictional characters you still mm-hmm. feel motivated, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so going uh, a little more in depth, so what sparked your interest in politics? Um, I guess, you know, I always had an interest. I remember in fourth grade, third or fourth grade, arguing with some boy about Obama versus McCain. <laughs> I don't remember what it was about. I just remember arguing with some boy and he was like, when is the president actually in office? And I was like, November. And he was like, no, it's January. And ever since then, I was like, oh, I need to know my stuff because I'm not losing control <laughs> ever again. Ten-year-old um, Gabby's like, uh. Yeah, I, right. I was like, <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that was, I think that was when I, that's the first memory I have of being very passionate about a political issue. We were arguing about healthcare. Again, eight years old, don't know what I was talking about. <laughs> in fourth grade? Uh, yeah, in the fourth grade, because it was when the, uh, Obama's big thing was obviously an Affordable Care Act. And so I remember just defending that. 
and not really knowing what it meant. <laughs> um, but okay. yeah, you know, my, the, I've always had an interest, um, but I really, I think, took off whenever Trayvon Martin was killed, um, which I think is the answer for a lot of, of folks, especially black folks. Um, for me, it was definitely when Trayvon Martin was killed. And the, the moment for me was seeing my mother cry that is something that you will never ever get over and seeing her cry at you know the the loss of Trayvon Martin and then the fact that his killer was just set free um found not guilty through the stand your ground law was ridiculous because being in Texas you know we have very similar laws like castle doctrine laws um that essentially tell people specifically in my opinion at least white people if you feel threatened by a person of color um near your property essentially or near your property or near you um you have the right to kill them and and obviously the law does not line out person of color it means person but obviously these are these laws are targeting people of color um across our country um and so you know it's definitely it was definitely one of those moments where i was like i don't know what i want to do but it has to be to prevent my mother from crying in a situation like this and then even more so to, to prevent my brother from dying in a situation like this, to prevent my cousins from dying in situations like this. And then even today, last night, there's another, uh, not killing, he's in the hospital right now, but mm -hmm. shot seven times in the back, um, which obviously shows that he was not a threat if he was shot in the back, um, which is ridiculous. So yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done, but I would definitely say that the, the killing of Trayvon Martin was, um, what made me realize I have to be, this has to be my, my lifelong dedicated fight. Mm -hmm. um, you talked a little bit about how when Obama was elected in fourth grade, like that was yeah. a really exciting moment for you. It was a really exciting moment for me. Um, but the way it worked out for me um, in 2016, I turned 18, like two weeks before election day. Mm -hmm. So um it's 2020, of course, and this is going to be your first time voting in a presidential yeah. election, right? How does that yeah. feel? It feels, honestly, it's, you know, I'm very excited. Um, I did not think I'd be super excited for, for Joe Biden, because considering I worked for Elizabeth Warren, but I'll be honest with you, the convention changed my spirits completely. Um, I feel so much more energized and so much more, more I'm looking forward to November. I'm looking forward to being able to organize for not just Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, but for all of our um, Democratic candidates up and down the ballot. I think the convention did a really good job of showcasing that. Um, and so being able to, to really organize for those candidates um, in the future is, I'm excited. That's the, I mean, that's the only way I can put it is I'm just excited. Um, and I really am hoping that we have turnout like never before, um, because we have to make sure that we get Joe Biden to the White House. We get Kamala Harris to be the first Black female VP ever in our country. Um, as well as, you know, here in Texas, we got to flip the Senate. Um, and, and, you know, we have, a, we have a long list of stuff to do. Uh, but I'm doing it all with a lot of energy and with a lot of excitement, despite the fact that I just woke up from a nap. I have a lot of energy. <laughs> uh, a lot of excitement. It's your first day at school, so you deserve it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Kamala, um, yeah. tell us where you were when you heard the news that she was VP and how you felt about that. So in this very position, I was sitting down right here, actually. Um, and I, you know, got on the Twitter and I was just literally refreshing and refreshing. And, um, I just saw hilariously Joe Casino, who's president of Texas called Democrats Now. He was the first person to tweet I saw and it just said Kamala. And I was like, oh, snap. Then like three seconds later, I got the text from Joe Biden's campaign that was like, 
we ch- I chose Kamala. I hope you're in this fight with us. And I was like, what do you mean hope? <laughs> I tell you, the second they, they dropped that merch within like 10, 15 minutes, I went on the website. I got my buttons ordered so fast <laughs> and they were shipped. They're going to be delivered uh, sometime soon. But I got those buttons ordered so fast because I really wanted um, just some combo, some something that said Biden-Harris. Uh, and then, of course, next day I was on the prowl for a New York Times article. Uh, and shout out to Destiny Hallenbeck, president of Call Gems of New York, who just sent me one. Uh, so I got an original New York Times from when Kamala accepted the nomination, which is just yeah. an even bigger dream. But I mean, what it means to me, it, it really made me feel invincible. Like, it really made me really, feel Really, that's the word for it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is the word. I mean, and you know, people were saying you can't tell Black women anything now until November 4th. You couldn't tell us anything, period, anyway. But now you really don't want to try and critique us because <laughs> it's just a totally different level of, of confidence that I've never felt before of seeing that representation and also knowing who she is as a fighter, who she is as a candidate, who she is as a politician. Phenomenal. So I am nothing but excited. And um, that was definitely some, some it, it felt like life-changing news. It really did because I was like, this is, the, this is our moment, this is our time. Um, and her even being in the position she is now before she is elected, it, it's, it's, it's like a dream. It's really like a dream. So really, very, just very happy. In like our age group, like growing up, seeing Obama as president, like all throughout, like the most pivotal years of our life, like middle school, high school, and seeing Hillary Clinton become the first woman nominee and to see Kamala become the first black um, and South Asian woman vice president nominee. I just feel like we, we get to live through like the biggest things and it's, it's crazy. It's really rewarding. It is Um, rewarding. Okay, this is going to be a little bit of a, of a deep one. So, okay. <laughs> what? Let me try. I can get my, my laptop charger one second. Okay, you're good. Okay, I'm back. Okay, cool. So what is the biggest issue you think we face in America today? There's a lot. Pick, pick one. <laughs> so biggest issue we face in America today. So I would honestly argue to say that it's not necessarily political. I think it's more of a personal issue. I think the number one thing we suffer from as Americans is just willful ignorance, just <laughs> blatant ignorance uh, in a lot of ways. And that goes for both sides. Uh, that's not me picking a side and saying that as Democrats, we're the only ones that are, are I don't want to, I don't like using the term woke because I think it's kind of overused, but we're the only ones that are on the right side of history necessarily. Um, I think there is a lot of ignorance in our country that is willful because people are so stuck in, in their, their, I don't want to say stuck in their ways, but they're very so, very much so stuck in their beliefs. Um, and, and the thought of there being a, a challenging belief is, is, is it doesn't even make, it, it, it's almost as if they don't really realize that there are a lot of people in this country with a lot of different ways of living and uh, not being able to understand or not even being willing 
to understand the uh, struggles of different cultures, of different um, uh, races, of gen different gender identities, like that is something that you can't fix with legislation. It's something that you can't fix with uh, a protest even. It really has to be a change of heart. Um, I mean, and even we see like these anti-maskers that are like <laughs> every every five seconds or ever, you know, every every couple of days are like, I don't want to wear a mask. It's a it's against my constitutional liberties, my constitutional freedoms. And it's like, it's not though. <laughs> it's um, not. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think there's an issue both ways because I get tired and exhausted of having to educate. Um, especially as black women, I feel like we're always trying to tell somebody what is this, what, how we feel. Um, and then on top of that, you know, I also just get burnt out from hearing or reading people saying that wearing a mask is, is government control or the democratic party started a race war in our country. It's stuff like that to where I'm like, you know what, I'm not sure if we're ever going to grow past this as a country. Um, but I do think that it, we need to come to a point in our understanding that if you are not willing to do further research to accept that not all news is fake news um, and to also understand that there are two sides to an argument and to really educate yourself on a policy issue, you do have to read both sides, which might be a little frustrating, especially if you're someone like me, strong in your beliefs, um, but it is worth it because I would rather, I would rather, you know, one thing I, I literally even have a post-it note right above my computer that says you have the satisfaction of being right once you start doing right. So if I want to be right in my beliefs, I have to be able to educate myself on both sides and I have to be able to come to the table and defend myself and defend, you know, different policies that I stand by. Um, and we're at a point in our country where people, especially in our age range, don't like doing that a ton um, or see what they see on Twitter and that's a wrap. That's what they believe. And it can just kind of be like, well, don't once you start only believing what you see on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and not doing any individual research for yourself, that puts the burden on people that are doing the research. So then we come back and we educate you <laughs> on why you should. So yes, short answer, I guess, is ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on a brighter note, much, much brighter note, you mentioned you're running for CDA president. I am. I remember being at the convention last summer and I just saw you, like, have you behind the scenes, how it just seemed like you were running the show. And I was like, <laughs> why isn't she running for a position? I was, I was actually very confused. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was definitely doing behind the scenes stuff. Yes, so much. Sure. And so when um, Tyler told me that you were running for president this year, I was like, about time. <laughs> that, was, that was like my reaction. Like, okay, great. About time. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about why you want to run. Um, what you can talk a little bit about your platform and yeah. where to find y'all, all that good stuff. For sure, yeah. So, um, you know, <laughs> I was on the way out of this organization. Taz and I, um, who's running as my VP, says that a lot. We were really on our way. We were just kind of looking forward to, to not having to deal with this organization. And the reason behind that is because, you know, elections in 2019 got messy. They got very messy. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they do every year in CDA. Um, even though currently I'm unopposed, I get screenshots from people every day from a different group chat, someone saying something different about me. And it's like, dang, if y'all have a lot <laughs> to, to uh, comment on my platform, I encourage you to join the race. <laughs> um, but you know, that's besides the point. But you know, one of the reasons I wanted to run really was 
I was tired of this culture in CDA politics, which CDA politics, CDA in general. Mm -hmm. um, I was tired of the culture in CDA that told people um, that were not in the majority, it felt like, you are not represented. Or if you supported a different candidate in the elections the year before, you, ha you had almost no chance of getting an appointed position. You had almost um, no chance of, of um, any sort of representation or communication. Um, and I, 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 that always bothered me and that was why I was on my way out. Um, but then once, you know, um, I call it a CA revolution, <laughs> but once, you know, the state stepped up to the plate to not only defend um, uh, Matt, who was at the point of resigning, uh, but also stood up to defend the other voices in our organization that had been left out for far too long. Um, that what, that's what told me that there is still hope for this organization because there is a way that we can all come together for a greater good. Um, and one of the reasons I'm running is because I want to make sure I can empower that attitude. I want to make sure that our states and chapters know that once you, when you speak, we will listen. When you ask, you will receive um, to the best of our abilities, obviously. But if you speak up and you, know, you come to me with an issue for your state, I'm going to do what I can to make sure um, that your state was represented and feels like we can get this issue resolved, whether you supported me or not, uh, whether you supported the fact that I'm running on a slate or not, it does not matter. After these elections, uh, we are, there's so much more to worry about in the future, even past the 2020 election, for me to be petty and sit behind the screen and, and not support you or your state's goals just because you may have just had an honest, honest uh, dislike of me or my platform or whatever, and that's fine. Um, and so that's one thing that I really want to restore in CDA is just that sense of community, that sense of, of we are here for each other and I'm a resource for you, not a figurehead. <laughs> um, and just again, that, that idea that we are all in this together. We are, we are all in this together, especially in College Democrats of America. We do go through some of the same struggles, um, be it with administration, be it with general attitudes about being a College Democrat in general we are going through a lot of the same stuff. And if we do not work together to bring ourselves through it and out of it, we're not going to be effective. Um, and that's kind of, you know, there's a point in our, in, our, in our platform that talks about restructuring our relationship with the DNC. Um, as it stands, our relationship with the DNC is a pretty tumultuous one. Um, and on top of that, you know, it, they, the DNC does not 100% um, see us as a legitimate organization. Uh, but in a New York Times article, we're a separate entity. So it's a little confusing <laughs> as to where we stand with them. And that shows just to how rocky our relationship with the DNC is. Um, because we have, to, we have to begin to understand that um, as College Democrats of America, we are able to make our own decisions. Um, but as it stands, we can't make those decisions without contacting our DNC representatives. So that relationship has to be changed a little bit <laughs> in order for us to move forward in order for our culture to change because we are doing really wonderful reforms in the task force um, but it does have to go further and I think that further point is telling the DNC we can do all these great reforms we can have remote voting we can have we can change our caucus system we can um, have DNC HR training we can do all these wonderful things but it's really just putting a band-aid on a very 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 infected open wound um, and that has to be with having more honest conversations, restructuring our relationship with the DNC, making our national leaders far more available by, by uh, mandatory weekly office hours, um, and then having accountability measures at every single turn 
for our members to hold our national leaders accountable on everything we say, everything we do, every vote we make, every interview we do, <laughs> everything we say and do, we have to be held accountable um, uh, to our words and to our actions. And because of that, uh, and, or, and because of, my, of, of me wanting to implement that in CDA or me wanting to see that in CDA, I felt, well, if no one else is going to just say it and do it, I will. <laughs> um, and that's really, I really wanted somebody else to run that had these same ideas as me, but I just did not know. I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, and and I why, think, why is that? Why is it, is it because you just didn't want to like personal reasons or like why? Why did I not want to run? somebody else to run and not oh. you? <laughs> So I never, I don't like being a candidate. I'll be honest with you. Um, I will say it's different this time around because being a candidate in CDA um, is a little bit different than what I imagined being a candidate for any office, other offices, which makes sense. Um, but I really just never had an interest in being a candidate. Um, I work behind the scenes on a lot of campaigns. And when you're a candidate, you definitely have to, you have to bite the bullet sometimes on things you want to say. Okay, so we have the same, I say yeah. the same myself. I've, I always tell people like, have too much mouth to be a candidate. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> Super I <laughs> yeah, I really do. There's been so many times where I just have had to call, you know, someone on the slate or Tyler, who's our campaign manager, and just be like, I really need to let out some frustration. <laughs> um, because, and you know, I'm not someone to let it out on Twitter because I think that's a, a little bit childish. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, there are times where you just have to let it out. You just have to be like, you know what? All right. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to, I'm going to give it to God. That's really been my motto throughout this time is being giving it to God. But, and also, you know, being a candidate in CDA, you are scrutinized and then you're scrutinized by people that you usually, that either, that the day before were hyping you up on Twitter, the week before were texting you, telling you you're such an inspiration to them. Then once you start seeking a higher office, there's a, there's an idea that like, oh, who does she think she is? And I, I don't like that <laughs> at all. I don't like people judging me based on, on a number of criteria they may not really actually know about me. But again, with being a candidate, you kind of just have to be like, you know what, people are going to believe what they believe. And until they address it to me directly, I can't, I can't, I can't address it. I can't respond to a subtweet. I can't respond to this. You just kind of have to roll with the punches sometimes. Um, so yeah, but I will say this has been a far more positive experience running for office because I'm not in it alone. We have a wonderful team, obviously, <laughs> wonderful team, wonderful slate uh, of just supportive and uplifting individuals. And so it's definitely, this is how running for office should feel. It should feel support yeah. and uplifted. Obviously, stressful times are going to be stressful, but um, you should feel positive and uplifted and, and like you can take on anything. And that's how I feel right now. So I am lucky. I'm fortunate I did it. I am very glad that I did it. <laughs> I'm glad that you're doing it as well. I honestly couldn't see anyone else in position. Like I said, I was like about yeah. time, like yeah. without a question. Um, <laughs> okay, so going and winding things down. So um, you graduated in the spring? I graduated in May 2021, yeah. Okay, so um, past CDA elections, past um, 2020 general election, um, even past graduation, what do you see yourself doing? So in the short term, um, I, I obviously want to strengthen and rebuild CDA. Um, that's definitely a priority and goal of mine. But past CDA, um, I want to make sure that 
I'm thinking I'm going to stay in Texas right after I graduate, mainly because um, Texas is cheaper than D.C. <laughs> or New York. Girl, or California. I was doing my research. Mm, yep, Texas is looking nice. <laughs> yeah, Texas is looking beautiful. Let me tell you, it is not, I've never been more proud to have this Texas tattoo than ever mm-hmm. before in my life. Um, you know, yeah, it's expensive. I, I joined some Washington, D.C. like sublet Facebook groups. I joined some groupies, wow. girl, but... Really? Oh, no. $1,500 a month, not including utilities, for a room in a shared bathroom with, like, four people in a house. I was like, y'all can keep that, because I like my Texas rent, <laughs> utilities <laughs> included. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's so, so much work to do here in Texas. There mm-hmm. is. There's so much stuff to get done in Texas. So even, again, after 2020, local elections, I want to make sure that when we say build the bench with real democratic leaders, young democratic leaders, diverse democratic leaders, we really are building that bench. Um, so I'm thinking yeah, after graduation, staying in Texas, um, possibly working for a nonprofit, um, campaigning or for a local campaign, really not sure. Um, I'm gonna kind of see where, see where, where, my, where I'm at around February, 2021, January, February, 2021. And that's when I'll really start making that push for jobs. I'll be applying for jobs and stuff. Um, and of course, I'm not going to limit my my opportunities. If there is a really good opportunity to, to go to DC where I can still effectively save, effectively invest, and still you know not be super scrunched for money all the time, which is kind of how most DC staffers are, um, I'll do it. But unless I get that good of a job, <laughs> I will probably stay in Texas just because I definitely want to save effectively and invest effectively. And I think the best way to do that is in Texas. Um, At the end, I think of this kind of towards the end of my life. At the end of my life, I would like to have a PhD in like either political philosophy or political theory. Um, I would like to have uh, uh, be either a chief of staff to United States president, or I could see myself possibly running for DNC chair. Um, Again, later down the line. Uh, but yeah, those are the two things that I think about of like, I would really like to serve in senior leadership of a presidential um, administration or chair the, our national party. Um, one of those two things is like where I see myself at the, at the end of my life with a PhD. <laughs> it's like my number one. I can number definitely <laughs> see both of those. Like, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> like, I can see you in both of those positions, like doing great things. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Do you want to shout yourself out? Give Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, well, first, Jordan, thank you so much for having me on. This is awesome. I <laughs> can't wait to listen to it again. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I just want I do want to add, you know, make sure everyone is registered to vote before October 5th. So you yeah. can vote in the November elections. Um, if you have not turned in your mail-in ballots, do all that stuff quickly um, and save the USPS, <laughs> please. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, if y'all want to follow me on any kind of social media, my Twitter is at Gabrielle with two E's, um, H23. And then my Instagram is just Gabrielle with two E's, Harris. Um, and those are my main social media platforms <laughs> that I'm social with people on. So yeah, that is about it for me. But thank you so much, Jordan, for having me on. This is amazing. Thank you. Happy yeah, this, is, this is great. I love it. Don't forget to follow Next Era on Instagram at nextera.org. That's N-E-X-T-E-R-A-O-R-G. And that is it for today, you guys. I'm your host, Jordan Johnson. And don't forget to stay safe, be kind, and be great. Bye, y'all.